0: Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of LifeHouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. So we are starting today a brand new sermon series called You Asked For It. And uh, so last week, you took a survey, and we kind of just said, "Hey, what do you want to hear about over the next four weeks?" So you guys have picked the sermon titles for this series. Um, a couple other things that that we've got coming up: handling stress. Anybody stressed? We're going to talk about handling stress. When someone over there doesn't stress about nothing, well, then you know what? Do you want to preach? Do you want to come over to preach the message in this series and teach us how you don't get stressed? He's like, Nope, they ain't stressed. We need them to come up here and preach that message. Uh, secondly, raising kids. You You guys want to know how you raise kids in today's culture? And thirdly, it was dealing with difficult people. Hopefully. You ain't thinking of me when you checked that, (laughs) or you're not dealing with anyone in our church. Maybe you're thinking about your spouse or something like that, but uh, so we're going to be talking about that stuff over the next few weeks, but also too, last week we launched our church app, our, our Lifehouse Newport News church app, which you can actually download from any app store, whether you have iPhone, Amazon, whatever, you can simply go on there and download our church app. We've got sermons on there. You can find dream team information, life group information, giving information on that there. That can can keep you plugged into what God is doing here at this church. But today, uh, you asked for it, is how do I know God's plan for my life? I mean, Honestly, as a pastor, this is like one of the number one questions that I get. How in the world do I know that I am doing what God has planned for my life? Has anyone asked that, struggling with that in that season, going into that season? You just want to know. And I, I think when you start to know God, like when you become a follower of Christ, you really become attuned to like, God, what do you want from my life? What are you asking of me? And I think that's a great question. I think all of us get there. Like, God, I just wish that it was like, hey, Jesus, <laughs> can you tell me what to do? <laughs> right? Like, we, we, we want, shut up. No, no, but, but, but it's like, you want, we want God to be like Siri, where he's just like, you know, kind of like a cell phone, and we got this thing that we can just, God, where do you want me to live? God, I try to be satisfied with what I have, John. Oh, Lord. You know, it's like, Siri, who do you want me to marry? Okay, okay, good. But it's like, this is the way we want God to be. We want him to give us direct, clear, perfect direction. And I don't know about you. I've been following Christ for 18, 19 years, and I have almost, like, I've yet to hear the clear, audible, direct voice of God. Like a tangible voice. And I know, by many of you, maybe you have, maybe God has given you that where you can actually hear him. If it does, well, I don't like you. I want your gift. I want, you know? But, but it's, it's like most people, most of the population here, this is why this was such an asked topic is because you desire to know the will of god and let's just be honest for many of us it can seem confusing and unclear what should do you do this summer what should my major be what kind of career do i want where should i live should i get married should i have kids if i so how many kids should i play sports sing in the choir should i be a pastor should i be a fireman should i stay home or leave here should i buy this house that house should i have these kinds of shutters these kinds of windows these kinds of cabinets this kind of paint color Should I serve my church? I mean, it's like the questions go on and on and on. I think many of us literally have this desire. God, if you would just tell me, then I would know. But I think today, the reason why you want to know so badly is because many of you genuinely desire to please God. And that's awesome. Like, I love that. That many of you just want to know God's will because you want to genuinely please God. There's Some of you, though, you also want a life of perfection. Like, you can't take the fact that you don't know because some of y'all are just OCD, like y'all like got to know like this is for real what God wants me to do, no doubt, so you're looking for premonitions, you're looking for some sort of impression, you're looking for some sort of cloud in the sky, you're looking for something in, in one of those like Hershey Kisses things, or you're looking at fortune cookies, like you're trying to add and deduct like certain stuff to make sure this is exactly what God wants and that's why you want to know because you just can't take not being 100% sure so you just think okay but also some of you though some of y'all were just fearful like you you, like you got FOMO for those of you who have no idea what that is some of y'all are like I have no idea what you're talking about some of y'all have FOMO, which is a term that has been coined in this social media generation, fear of missing out. Like, you've got fear of, well, if I choose this, what am I going to miss? And you actually, what ends up happening is you get paralyzed by being indecisive. Because, like, well, if I do this, well, then that'll happen. Well, if, if I go here, what if I miss, what if I miss Mr. Right here? And you get paralyzed, but you, but really, the core is is that you're just fearful. But also, in this age, it's so We have so many choices. I mean, just imagine how many. Like in this period of the world, in this stage of time, we have so many choices that we get, and we think that is freedom. But honestly, many people it cripples them. Because they think that, that having so many choices leads to freedom, but in many ways, having so many choices leads to us being paralyzed by being indecisive. And so we, we've got to kind of say, okay, okay, it doesn't seem like God is going to just always be like Siri and tell me what to do. Because honestly, we want a formula. we like, God, if I could just figure you out and rub the genie the right way, and have you speak to me, and we just do this whole speaking to me ritual. We we want God to be a formula. We want God to be somebody we can figure out. We want God to be somebody that, that, honestly, we know more than. Okay? But what we've got to know, God is not a formula. The quicker you learn that, I think the quicker you will learn to find God's will. Because, look, Scripture says this, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. This is Isaiah talking about God. He says, for for God's thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not our ways, declares the Lord. As the high ends are are heaven than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. Like, we've got to know. God sees on a different perspective and a completely different plane, and God is not a formula to be figured out. He is a God to be followed. Okay? He's not a formula to figure out, he's a God to be followed. Now, God doesn't give us formulas, but here's the thing He gives us principles. Okay? God doesn't give us formulas, He gives us principles. And I wanna talk to you today about what some of those principles are to help you as you're navigating and wrestling with. All of the decisions and choices that you're gonna be having coming up, even ones that you are wrestling with right now, I believe this sermon isn't going to, to just be helpful right now for you, but it's gonna be helpful for you as you navigate the many decisions you're contemplating right now and wrestling with. You have a desire to please God, or you're fearful, or you've got FOMO, or you know, you've, you're know you just paralyzed by indecision. I'm praying today that you get a new path, a new way to see making decisions decisions in light of okay and I believe it's going to be found in a few principles all right first off God's plan God's direction for your life is always a who before a do I've preached on this before God's will for you is always about a who before it's about what you do we always come to God and ask him God what do you want me to do many of us don't come to him saying God who do you want me to be And we misalign priorities when we go to God asking him, what should we do, instead of coming to God and saying, God, who have you called me to be? Jesus died on the cross not to not to pave a path for you to know whether you should move to Colorado. Jesus died on the cross so you could become, or so so you could go from being a sinner and enemy of God to a child of God. It's an identity shift. He ultimately then then said, look, I want you to then, as you start to follow Christ and become a child of God, you start to become somebody different. I love what it says in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. This is Paul here. He's talking about The fruit of the Spirit. Essentially saying, as a follower of Christ, filled with the very Spirit of God, these are the kinds of qualities and the kinds of people we should be showing as Christ's Holy Spirit fills us. He says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the outward evidence that you are a follower of Christ is this, love, joy, peace, forbearance. Oh, wow, we're getting into that old school, forbearance. It doesn't say (laughs) patience. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't say that you will be a contractor. It doesn't say the fruit of somebody that knows Christ is that you're going to be a head basketball coach. What it's aiming at here is a follower of Christ is going to be a certain kind of person. It's gonna be, be a who before a do. I love Jesus' be attitudes. Whenever Jesus said, blessed are the, right? And, and he kind of fills in 10 different things. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those, who, are those who hunger and thirst for what is right. What Jesus says there is not blessed are the CEOs, blessed are those that are rich or blessed are those who are a car salesman or blessed are those who work at McDonald's. He doesn't say blessed are those who do. He says blessed are those who. But we live in a backward culture where your identity is tied to what you do, right? So it's kind of like, what's the first question? Hey, what's your name? How you doing? What do you do? What do you do, right? Because it's like, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge your status in my eyes (laughs) based not on even knowing you as a person, not even knowing the quality of your character, not even knowing who you are behind the scenes. I'm going to judge you based on what do you do. And we've been formulated to think that way when God doesn't see man the way that we do. God doesn't say, oh, wow, they're a doctor, they get special privileges. They're a lawyer, they get special privileges. No, God looks past what man sees, and God looks at the heart and character of the man, of the person. And we can see this. We can see David. Whenever David, he was chosen king. He wasn't chosen king because of his status, his position, his authority. He was the weakest, youngest kid, but what was God looking for? He said, I see in David a man after my own heart. What is important to God? has got to be important to us if we're going to find God's direction for our life, which is God is more concerned about the person you are becoming more than the job you have, the person you end up marrying, the person you are, you are friendships with, the house you own, the city you live in. All of these things we stress about, I wish that we would stress about the kind of people we are and the kind of people we are becoming. I wish we would have a burden so strong in, in our hearts that when there's stuff in our lives that should not be there, it makes us weep and wail and mourn the same way not knowing when we're gonna have a job makes us. Because God is more concerned. What I love here, check this out. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, he said this. It is God's So This is Paul saying, yo, let me tell you about God's will, y'all. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Let me tell you, that's a big Christian word. Sanctified means made holy. Sanctified means being, becoming more like Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. In other words, be a more like Jesus version of you. You know, God doesn't want you to throw out your personality. Like, I love y'all's personalities. Some of y'all are quiet. You walk into church, I'm like, what's up? And you just like, I'm like, okay, hey, that's cool, you know? Some of y'all are like sup. You need to give me a hug. You know, give me a big bear hug, and it's all good. Like God has made us different with different personalities, experiences, training. Like God has made us different. God is not asking you to conform to be some kind of you know just like robotic Christian. What God wants you to do is be a sanctified Christ-like version of you. You can have your sassiness and have your Jesus. Just sanctify your sassiness. You can have. That's right. You can have your Christ-likeness. You can have your Christ-likeness and your quiet personality. You can have your questioning demeanor while still being a Christ follower. You can be introverted and still be a sanctified introvert. You can be an extrovert, but you need to be a sanctified extrovert. God isn't asking you to change. What God is asking you to do is to move towards becoming more like Jesus. So some of y'all need to be free, man. Some of y'all need to know he's not asking you to conform. We need you. The church needs you. The world needs you. The body of Christ needs you, but it needs a sanctified version of you. It needs a sanctified version of you. It says here, it is God's will that you should be holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should, I love this, learn to control. Your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. What he's saying here is God's will for you to be able to learn to control yourself. Not to just be one that just like is self-indulgent, but is full of self-control. Someone, here's the thing, that can say no. You can, have, you can be a lawyer, you can be a doctor, you can have a great salary, you can have a great house. But if you can't say no... Here's the thing. God's will isn't, see, here's the thing. We've made God to be this God that just, makes the one to, that just wants to make us happy. He's like a sugar daddy. Flat out honest. But God's will isn't for you to be happy. God's will is for you to be holy. And there's a big difference. Because if your goal is happiness, when God sends something your way or something happens to you that doesn't make you happy, you will always think that God's will is the path of least resistance. And we need to be very careful that we don't view and see God's will as always being a path that is least resistant. Because it is typically in that path of pain we find change. It's in that path of heartache that we find change. It's in that path of trial that we find out who we truly are and who we need to be. It's in happiness, abundance, that, that typically we end up turning our backs on God because we end up putting our trust in the provision instead of the provider. That's the story of the Bible. You see Israel, God blesses people said, "Yo, I want to show myself through you." He blessed them. It would be this revolving cycle of God would God would bless them, Israel would get haughty and they would say, "We did this. God didn't do it. God would have to to discipline them." Then they would have ta- have to repent and it'll just be this big cycle and God doesn't want that cycle for us God says look my goal for you is to make you a more Christ-like version of you which means you're going to have to go through some stuff Jesus is our example not our replacement we can sometimes think Jesus went through hard stuff so we wouldn't have to no Jesus went through hard stuff as an example for us that we're going to follow in in his footsteps but in that we're being perfected day by day So God's will is a who, not a do. Turn to someone and say, who do? Who do? Who do, 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 who do? And I believe this. If you're heading towards a who, and take this the right way, and and I'm gonna explain this more, but God doesn't care about your do. If you're heading towards a who, If you're heading towards a who, you're becoming more like Jesus. I believe you are free to choose between jobs, schools, location. We just need to stop stressing about the future and trust the one that holds the future. Basically, let me tell you this. I believe that if you're heading towards a who, do what you want to. What, pastor? Are you serious? Let me explain that. Because some of y'all are like, okay. I'm liking this preaching now. Make who? Make it plain, that's right, I'm about to make it plain. But if you're focusing on a who, I believe that God will lead you through your desires. We can look at, at desires as being evil. And just because we're sinners in a sinful world doesn't mean every desire we have is wrong. God many times leads us through our desires. Because he's created you a certain way. And as you become more sanctified, holy, what ends up happening is those, is, you know what? those desires become sanctified. that now you start to see, instead of throwing your, your desire away, now you can see, God has given me these. Let's say you have, you've got a desire to make money. And in your unsanctified state, your reason for that was to fund your kingdom. Bigger boat, bigger car, bigger house, bigger bank account. But now as God sanctifies you, your your desire to make money is now say, I don't want to fund my kingdom. I want to fund his kingdom. Let's say you are good at getting people to do stuff. You're an influencer. And you used to use that in the wrong way. You used to use that, dudes, to, to... Get females to do what you wanted. Got that skill. But now as you are sanctified, God doesn't want you to take the influence that God has given you and throw that out. He wants you to take that influence and now use it for the kingdom. Use it to now influence people to do something holy instead of something messed up. God, as God sanctifies you, he sanctifies your desires. I love Psalm 37.4. This is what David said. Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And as you delight in him, he sanctifies those desires. and He sanctifies those gifts. And he sanctifies those, those things that he has given you. And instead of using it for your benefit and for your kingdom, he then sanctifies them and makes them holier and holier. And now you take those and use that for the benefit, not of your kingdom, but his kingdom. I think we've got to actually, instead of throwing desire out, examine our desires even more. And say, God, what do I like doing? I mean, honestly, like what fires you up? What gets you going? What you know, but then also do what ticks you off. Honestly, I think many people can find what they're called to by what makes them angry. What provides in you a righteous anger? That you see it and it makes you mad. You see it and it develops a passion in you to see change happen. I'll I'll just be honest with you, like I wanted to plant a church. I felt led and to go in that direction because I want I'm sick of seeing the church lose. I'm sick of seeing the church not have influence. I'm sick of seeing the church sacrifice its influence at the altar of you name it. And I, my desire is to raise up a church, and church is. That it's not just about, about a church winning, but the church winning. Where we say, do you know what? We're going to raise churches, we're going to plant churches, and we're, we're going to work on seeing the church not, not regain power, but regain influence regain its influencing power, its influence, because we have something to offer this world. If people hate us, we still love them. We'll still give them money. We'll still bless them. We are not held down by what people think. We are an unstoppable force. And that's what I want the people to, that's what I want churches in this area to, to see. We're not here just to get people to come into this building. We are here to go out and be, and be empowered and go out and influence a city for the kingdom of God. Because we believe heaven and hell is real. We believe eternity matters. We we believe that we have an opportunity in this moment in time to be the hands and feet of Jesus to this community. And that's why I say that was one of the things that drives drives me. I hate seeing, I I hate it, and I'm like, I'm going to give my life to now seeing the church, a church, regain its influence for the kingdom of God. What makes you angry and what fires you up? I believe you can see a lot in those desires. Now, those desires need guardrails. (laughs) <laughs> some of y'all are like, oh, okay, pastor. I thought you just said do what I want. But now you gave me some guardrails. Yes, your desires need guardrails. Because without guard, guardrails, your desires will lead you to places to believe things, say things, and do things that are not God's direction for you. Because you feel it's right. We can't base what we do in this life on what we feel. We've got to have principles, okay? So let me talk to you about what these guardrails are. First off, God's written word. Y'all, God will never tell you to do something that is outside. The Holy Spirit, whatever Holy Spirit you're following, (laughs) will never tell you to do something that is not confirmed in God's word. We need to start interpreting our desires through the Bible instead of interpreting the Bible through our desires. i want to say that one more time. Interpret what you feel and your desires through Scripture instead of interpreting the Scripture through your desires. We can so easily take God's word and contort it when we try to fit it in, into what we want and what we feel instead of saying, God, this is what I feel. Does it line up with what you say? A great example. You know, Satan himself used the Bible in trying to tempt Jesus. I don't know if he was just stupid or really thought that would work, but he did. What did he do? He took scripture and contorted it to what he wanted it to say based on what he was trying to get. David said this also. He said, your word, O God, is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. God reveals who he is, what he requires, what his character is through this book. And I know what some of y'all say, John, it's confusing. John, it's out of touch. It's out of date. Here's the thing. Don't don't knock it until you've tried it, studied it, and and actually applied yourself. Because I believe we throw it out just because we say it's hard to understand. Anything's hard to understand when you start off. But that's, that's why it's called being a disciple, meaning th- there is a discipline aspect to this thing. We just want God... Oh! No, you're going to have to dig a little bit. You're going to have to dig a little bit. You're going to have to spend some time. You're going to have to really understand context. What, what, does, what does context mean? Why is context important with Bible study? You're going to have to know. There's different genres of books in the Bible history there's biographies there's letters there's there's apocalyptic writings there's historical writings there's a bunch of different genres in the bible that you then have to learn to interpret to speak to your situation like it's here's the thing right it's it's so funny because we're like god show me your will if you just showed me i'd do it and i can just see god being like you won't even obey what is clear why am i going to show you what's hidden I wish we would be passionate about obeying what we know. Obeying what is clear. Obeying what the word of God tells us. Because y'all, here's the thing. When we say the Holy Spirit told me, the whole, what the Holy Spirit told you better be what the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of Scripture to do. Because this book, 2 Timothy 3, it says all Scripture is God-breathed, meaning inspired. The Holy Spirit inspired regular, normal, jacked up, messed up man to write this book. In the same way God uses jacked up, messed up, people to do his will on this planet right now our first guardrail is scripture secondly um wisdom i think we could just forget that god is a god of wisdom the most valuable resource that god uses typically to guide his to guide his people is people some of y'all are walking through stuff saying, God, show me. And the answer is going to be found in a relationship. That God will use somebody to speak into your life and speak what you need. But God can't speak through people if you are in isolation. If you're by yourself. If you're just trying to do this whole thing. like, God, 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 what I love. Proverbs says this, eleven fourteen. 14. It says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You need a team, y'all. Proverbs 15, 22. It says, without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 20, 6. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Are you seeing a theme here? God has provided for you a church community, a church body that can, if you just reached out and just simply asked, there are people here that could help walk you and guide you through some of the toughest decisions right now that you are walking through. You are one relationship away from hearing God speak to you. And we're saying, God, speak to me, speak to me. And I think God many times speaks through his people. Also, too, God has given you a brain. God's given you a brain to use, <laughs> to think things through, to ask questions. You know, and and then too, I just think we honestly, and, and you know how much, here's the thing, knowledge doesn't matter. It's just amazing. Like people say, God, speak to me, right? And it's just so, but it's like even when secular culture speaks, no one cares. Like, it's proven. If you eat bad, you're probably gonna die earlier. If you smoke, you're, you're not going to hell. You'll smell like hell. But the thing is, it's not, you know, God's not gonna send you to hell for smoking. That's, I'm, I'm like, why are, we, why are we condemning people who smoke, but we've got people over here guzzling down like three cokes a day? Both of them aren't good for you. But why do we condemn the smoker? Because it's a project, prejud- it's, you know. Anyway, that's a different sermon. Maybe you should ask, ask, ask for that. <laughs> but wisdom, here's the thing. The, if, the, if, you know, culture, I mean, science, science. Everyone brings out science. Science says, if you smoke, you're, gonna, you're probably going to get cancer. Look how many people smoke. Wisdom doesn't matter, Right? But here's the thing. Wisdom isn't knowledge. Wisdom is learning from people's mistakes. Wisdom is taking into account all of these different variables and making a decision based on what is wise. Now, now, okay, you are the exception. I know you are. Everyone wants to be the exception. But John, you don't know. I know this person that I'm dating is not a Christian. But I'm dating them because I'm trying to evangelize. how much time we have. Have I I seen God work through that? God draws crooked, straight lines with crooked sticks all the time, okay? Yes, I have seen him at one point, a Christian dated a non-Christian, and by God's grace, one person got pulled up instead of the other person being pulled down. But on the other side, I've seen 95%, 98% of the opposite happen, where you have a Christian dating a non-Christian. And some, here's the thing, as, as a Christian, like Jesus isn't just some like, side item. Jesus is, is the center, and if you can't share that with your significant other, it's, it's going to be hard, y'all. I'm not, I'm not, if, if you're there, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to put down on you. I, I'm not doing that at all, but what I'm simply telling you is it's going to be difficult. Wisdom would tell you it's not a good idea. Wisdom, secular statistics. I'm just telling you this is what secular people from secular colleges that have no desire to obey the Bible at all tell us living together before you are married is a bad idea. Look it up yourself. Just look it up yourself. It's called wisdom. It's called, it's called wisdom. And here's the thing. I don't want us to get to over-spiritualize decisions that God has given us the brain and counsel to do. Because we can over-spiritualize things and get spiritual. You know how Christians do. I'm praying about it, Pastor. I'm praying. I'm praying to the Lord. Praying hard. Some things, y'all, we don't need to pray about because God's already told us. Like, it cracks me up of like, well, you know, should I tell this person uh, about Jesus? I'm praying about it. Jesus already said, go and make disciples. It's clear, do it. Should I bless this person? Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you feel it, you don't, there's some things we just don't have to pray about. Many times we pray about things we should just clearly obey. It says God has already spoken, right? So wisdom, we need wisdom, right? We need scripture, we need guardrails. Scripture, wisdom, and then here's the thing. We we need to pray. But we need to pray for the right stuff. We need to pray for selflessness. We need to pray for strength to follow through. We need to pray for strength to make the hard but right decisions. We need to not just ask God to be Siri and direct us and guide us and lead us and tell us the exact thing to do, but we need to pray, God, give me the right wisdom. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek and see what you say in this book. I'm gonna pray and seek counsel, and then I'm gonna make a decision, not over-spiritualize it. You know how many people say, God told me, God told me, God told me, God told me. Well, if God told you then, why do you care what I say? You just pulled out the God card. Have you ever heard that? People pull out the God card. God told me, God told me, God told me. Well, if God told you, okay. Was that just the pizza you had last night, though? Something moving in your stomach. No, you need guard, your desires need guardrails. Your, your premonitions need guardrails. Your feelings need guardrails. Your f- they need guardrails. Scripture, counsel. In prayer. I love this key, keyboard. You can come up. We're going to close. But um there is this one small story in the book of Acts chapter 15 where think about this, okay? This is in the days early church. Jesus came, died, or Jesus came, lived, died, rose from death. And you've got these brand new Christians trying to figure this thing out. Okay? So first off Christians, they started and And what they did, they only started preaching the gospel to people that were Jews. Why? I have no clue. But they only started to preach the gospel to those who were Jews. And there were some people that were like, you know, guys, maybe we should start preaching the good news of Jesus to more people besides the Jews. What do you think? And then they were like, yeah, we should probably do that. So, you know, so so then they started preaching to people besides Jewish people. And these Gentiles who were sinful people, they started getting saved and then all of these Jewish Christians are like, yeah, but they don't, they eat all kinds of meat. They like doing all this stuff the Jews don't, don't do. Does God really welcome them? And they were confused about what to do and they weren't sure. And dude, you, we're, we're talking about like some of the most famous church leaders in history. We're talking about like James, like the brother of Jesus. You got John, you you. You've got Paul, like you've got these people that come together for this council and they're meeting together and talking about, y'all, what do we do about this? We have no clue. Like we've got what Jesus said and we got these people coming in that, like, they're miserable and they had no idea what to, what to do. So they talked about it. And then I love what they said in Acts 15 28. This was recorded by Luke. They had this whole council. And then they say this, you know, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And then they went on and said that we should give them a few things to think of as they are starting to follow Christ. I just love how these people that were honestly a lot more spiritual than we are, they saw Jesus. We didn't. They had points in their life where they were not 100% sure what the clear right true thing to do. And what they concluded was It seems good. It seems good. We've sought counsel. We've searched scripture. Seems good. Let's let's do it. And honestly, y'all, I believe some of y'all, y'all need to be freed from this tyranny of the weight of trying to predict what the future is and just start living it now. And honestly, have a, it seems good. I didn't have a cloud in the sky that spelled it out for me. I didn't have an audible voice of God, but do you know what? I've got the desire for this. I'm becoming more like Christ. I've got a desire to want to do this or go here or work here or stay there. I've sought counsel. I've searched scripture. I've prayed and I've got a peace. It seems good to me. Then do it. So do you know what we need? We need a seemed good Culture seems good. Instead of agonizing, does this y'all seemed good? And I believe if you trans, if you transition to a seemed good, instead of having this weight and this, this FOMO of I'm gonna miss out, is this what God's will is? I'm, I'm not sure. You know what? You've done your you've done your due diligence. prayed, I've sought wisdom, I've sought scripture, I got a piece of my spirit about it. Seems good to me. Let's go, boss. Yeah. Honestly, I'm praying for the spirit of seemed good to overtake you. That you'll be free from the burden of having this weight, this godlike weight of having to know and walk in the future. Who before do? Are you becoming a more Christ-like person? If so, he sanctifies your desires. And you know what? God says, you're following me. Do what you want, but have some guardrails. Follow, you know what? Follow those guardrails and seemed good and move forward, friends. And I believe as we do, you'll walk in the direction and purpose of God for your life. Stand up. Was that helpful? Was that helpful? Did that somewhat help you? this is what we're going to do, head bowed, eyes closed. Some of you here, though, you need the who before the do. You You need to give your life to Christ today. You need to become a follower of Christ. You need to, you know, you've been focusing your whole life on what you do, your status, and how you do it, and all of that stuff, honestly, that is secondary in God's eyes. God's first desire for you is to know you. And I believe today that there are some of you here, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to turn the keys of your life over to God and let him get in the driver's seat. And the most important answer that you're going to get today is is God's will for you is he wants to know you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just say, John, today, I need... I need to make a decision to follow Christ. I need to draw a, a line in the sand and make a proclamation of faith today to follow Christ. Every about, every I closed, we're just creating a time of privacy here. If you would just say, John, that is me. I just want you to simply say yes, right where you are. Inside of your heart, you don't gotta say it out, out loud. You can if you want to, but just right inside of your heart, if you would just say yes. And I believe that as you're saying yes, you're saying yes to Jesus. Do that right now. Just say yes. Yes. So what we're gonna do. If you said yes today, I'm gonna pray. As I pray, I want everyone here to join in with me in this prayer, and we're gonna pray with you. And we're gonna say this prayer. The prayer doesn't save you, but but what the prayer does is it shows the desire of your heart. And as we pray, we believe that God is, is gonna come in and God is gonna transform you, that this is gonna be the start of a brand new journey in your life. Everybody say this prayer to me. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give you all of me. I thank you that when I was a sinner, you died in my place for my sin. And today, I receive new life in Christ. I receive love. I receive your grace and I receive forgiveness. I pray today that I would walk in the direction of who before due. I give you my present, I give you my past, and I receive your future for me. Jesus, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. LifeHouse family, can we just give it up for all those that said that prayer today? Look, here's the thing. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.